This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Andrew, I'm excited. Fun episode. Back. Uh, everybody, cool. back summer's over. Summer. You know, it's 90 degrees. Yes, it is. Back warm. to school. We got we got an exciting episode here. We got a whole crew of folks that we're going to be talking about education, retail, business, all kinds of exciting things. So let's get in gear. First up, we've got our friend Amit Savak, who's the CEO of ETS, and he's calling in live from a back-to-school conference. We are so excited to have him talk. He's the largest private educational assessment organization, and we are thrilled to have you on our show today, Amit. Thanks very much, Andrea. Great to see you, Gary. reveal. There he is. <laughs> Amit, it's really great to see you, brother. Um, why don't you, you know, because these go very quickly, why don't you give a quick intro to everybody on uh, what ETS does, and then I'll uh, rattle in some of my uh, questions. That sounds great, Gary. Uh, ETS uh, is a educational assessment company. Uh, we work in K-12, higher ed, and workforce. Uh, we think of ourselves as a people-forward educational organization. We provide data and insights uh, through uh, a whole range of products and services. We've been around for 75 years. Uh, we work both in the U.S. and internationally. We're one of the largest educational organizations in the assessment space. So when you um, when you uh, think about the concept of back to school, you know how to how to how to how do you as a human with your background? Maybe you'll give a little bit of that. And how does the organization think about that framework? What comes to mind? Back to school is that time of year when you're getting your kids ready for going back in the fall and certainly for college as well. Uh, but I'd like to think about it, Gary, also as a time where we as adults can reflect and think a little bit about our own learning. And um, we're at ETS um, doubling down on supporting adults, uh, workers, employees of companies uh, with educational products and services. So um, I think back to school is, 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 is an extremely important thing. I also want to highlight that you know, there's a seasonality, you know, we're having this conversation in September when we traditionally think about this, but so much of what's happening in the world now is, is a shift from that kind of calendaring of school. Um, lifelong learning is, is happening all year long. And uh, that old notion of you've got to go to high school for X number of years, got to go to college for X number of years, you've got to learn for four years and then go earn after for 40 years. That's, that's disrupting, right? There's a much more of a learn-earn model where you're constantly learning, you're constantly earning based on that learning. So, um, so it, is, it is quaint in some way to think about back to school, but I think it's, it also is a reminder for us to be really be thinking about all the innovation that's happening in education. When you think about innovation in education, and I think you're right, like lifelong learning, like it, you know, when I was growing up, it was unheard of for a 32-year-old human being in America to be thinking about learning or, you know, like you'd hear like once in a blue moon, somebody going to night classes and almost always it was based on the insecurity they had of not having a certain degree, right? right. You know, whereas now the progressive conversation rightfully so is, you know, especially with the way the internet works, side hustles, like people now actually believe that they can change their careers at 36 if they allocate digital learning or maybe even physical learning you know, when, when you think about innovation in education and you think about some of the challenges, look, I'm a, I'm a pretty public figure that's been fairly loud over the last decade of like, I do not believe that college in the way it's constructed 
is for everyone in every scenario, especially when you take on an extraordinary amount of debt and your natural skills or interest will take you to a place where that those classes and that degree will not create the outcome that you're looking for. I think a lot of times people think that I'm anti-education when I say I don't believe in college for everyone. I'm actually the reverse. I'm so uncomfortably pro-education. I'm just pro-self-awareness and reality of one situation, not universal vanilla ideology, one size fits all. Where is the educational sector, the industries, the governments, the universities, the private and public organizations? How advanced are the conversations on this nuance? Is it gaining momentum with the actual behavior of the end consumers, both pre-university college and to what you just talked about post? Or is there still uh, a lot of red tape and ideology stuck in the systems? Your assessment. Gary, after COVID, the mood changed in Mm. K-12 and higher ed. I mean, we just realized how challenged, uh, even broken, so many of the elements were. Um, And so now the conversations are much more about the future. Um, How do you incorporate AI? into our educational system? How do you upskill teachers and professors uh, to be able to offer uh, courses and content that's relevant for the work world? Sorry to interrupt you. Um, How to incorporate AI into, I'm watching this very carefully because I have children in the system, I'm who I am. This is one man's point of view. This is not even officially ETS's. I want to talk to you as the human now because I want to actually, I'm just so, you know, I think you know I, I have some warm feelings towards you, so I'm genuinely curious. How many school infrastructures, forget about teachers and principals, because these are these decisions are made above that. What percentage of the orgs do you think are actually looking at AI as a positive? Because I don't have to tell you, almost all of them have banned chat GPT and other aspects because they're in that short term, you can cheat on a test, you can write it like, how many in the macro right now, your assessment, how many people are pro figuring out how, you know, you say it, but I'm curious of how many people are living it versus what I'm seeing every day, headline by headline by headline of band, 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 band. Where are we on AI? Yeah, I, I, there are districts that are banning, uh, unfortunately. Um, there's also um, a lot of debate but I would say, Gary, that the mood is shifting. We're actually in that moment right now with when ChatGPT uh, hit at the end of last year, the educational system went, whoa, we have got to confront this and address this. Um, Gary, we launched uh, in partnership with Code.org and uh, the Khan Academy um, uh, earlier this year, a huge initiative called Teach AI. And the initiative is exactly that, is to foster, not just in the United States, but throughout the world, just the, the, the fundamentals of AI. So what 10 or 20 years ago when we were encouraging kids to learn coding, it's now teaching um, them how to learn the fundamentals. It's, it's the literacy, it's the essentials, whether you're an elementary school, middle school kid, high school, even if you don't wanna become a software engineer, just learning the fundamentals of what this, this means. So I, I mean, I think there's a movement underway, Gary. I, I, I really do. You are right that there is a fear factor um, in the school system in parts. But there are, I think, a lot of voices that are that are speaking the other way and saying we got to really. Make and, the- and by the way, to the credit of the fear factor, there's there's a lot of fear factor in society on it because it is a profound technology that will challenge us. Like deep fake videos 
is going to be something that the world is going to have to figure out the way we figured out, you know, atomic bombs and diseases. Like it is a big, big deal. The fact that we've lived the last hundred plus years all treating video as truth. And now we're going to live through an era where, I mean, in three years, there's going to be videos of me all over the internet saying things I never said. And it's not going to be based on the eye, easy for someone to know if I said them or not. And that, forget about me, I'm, I'm a, a pimple on the ass, politicians, you, you know, bosses, leaders, like there's a lot going on out here. So anyway, I, it's insane how quickly we run out of time. I wanna give you a minute or two to touch on anything that you were thinking about going into this uh, fun session of marketing for now on the back to school edition, anything you wanted to touch on that we didn't get to. Gary, I think it, it ties into what we were just chatting about and I just wanna build on it that the future is moving at a very fast rate. So if you think about education as a sector, just as much as it is um, a foundational element of society, it's, it's an industry, just like retail or other sectors. The, the currency that's now emerging in education is skills. And so you, you were talking about the traditional higher ed system not working. The traditional higher ed system is largely based on time. You've got to do 120 credits. You've got to work through you know, it's based on time in a seat, right, or time in classes. The world is shifting from time to skills as being the fundamental currency. And I think this is super exciting. And the reason I think it ties into the whole back to school and ties into the workforce is because the world of work is changing so fast. AI, industry changes, new industries forming, energy. All of the opportunities I see in K-12 and higher ed are really to link to that world of work. And so the through line here is, the new currency, the new foundation of education is increasingly becoming skills, more personalized education, much more innovation. So we at ETS are really looking to usher in that from new products and services and assessments to new research that we're doing in this space. So we're really excited to uh, be on this show. And I love the fact that you invited an education organization uh, to, to put the school in back to school. So thanks for inviting. Happy to, my friend. Wishing you success. Talk soon. Thank you. Thanks, Amit. Gary, next up, we've got Sophie Bambuk, our friend, the CMO of the North Face. And she's been there for just over a year. And she's come from some pretty stellar brands. And look at that background. She's come from right? Everlane, Nike, Converse. Where are you? Right? Welcome, um, Sophie. I know. I wish I was there. I'm, I'm in Denver. <laughs> yeah, I, wish, I wish I was there. Yeah. Last minute, last minute background change for you guys. Hi. I love it. Sophie, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Why don't you tell everybody, for the few that don't know, uh, what the North Face is, and then we'll get into it. Oh, gosh. The North Face, we are an uh, outdoor industry uh, leader. We make, uh, we're actually known for performance uh, gear, but, you know, we've been adopted in youth culture. So we now play across performance and what we call performance-inspired lifestyle. Um, and, yeah, we make all the gears that goes with it, from apparel, footwear, equipment. Go get your tents and your sleeping bags as well. Uh, we make all of that. So, um, yeah, we are, uh, we're having fun. How is, how is, you know, staying on theme? Yeah. For, first of all, I'm a pretty big fan of the brand and obviously you have penetrated popular culture and I'm 47. So I think when North Face started to really pop, you know, in pop culture, not just the utilitarian aspect of the brand in the outdoors, I was in that sweet spot of late teenage life and going into it. So it's always been a brand that I've had a lot of love for. Um, how does the brand think about back to school? This is the back to school edition. Is that like a big watershed moment for you? Do you strategize about that? There's a ton of marketers and entrepreneurs here. So I'd love to get your sense of like, 
where does back to school sit for your business? You've also been in a lot of places in the past, so you can speak broader as a marketer. Where does it sit? Is it the sixth biggest holiday? It's the 13th, it's the first for some, some don't care. Others, it's their whole business, 30% of their business. How do y'all think about it? Yeah, I mean, I'll say maybe to put it, um, it's probably the only kind of like what I call a commercial holiday that actually lives on our brand map, right? Because um, it is a time where you can, you can, it's a double-edged sword. You can do it wrong. Uh, mm. you, either you can lose yourself as a brand because you're chasing revenue, you're chasing, you're comping year over year. Um, you can also um, use that time to actually do it right and actually really focus on product as a way to elevate your brand. Back to school for the North Face is massive. I mean, our backpack business alone is, I mean, we we make a ton of the year just through that back to school window. I mean, if, if when you take your kids to school, every single kid has either the jacket or, uh, or, the, or the backpack. And, you know, being that brand of choice on the first day of school is essential. That's how we build loyalty. That's how, you know, kids build their reputation also on that a, a little bit. Um, so it's really, really crucial for us. You just said something that I'm profoundly interested in. I believe that people misunderstand apparel and fashion completely and don't understand the higher plane. And you just touched on it. So I'm actually going to use this to really educate the masses from a different voice than mine. <laughs> fashion brands, that the logo, right? The North Face, I'm very aware of what that meant. The swoosh that used to work for, we all know what that means. All the Gucci's and the Prada's and all that. Like... Can you expand on the knowledge base of the biggest brands in the world of how much they understand that fashion is built on a human's expression to the rest of the world, no different than the haircut style they chose or whether they wear, I mean, look at me right now. Like it's like an emerging hat brand, my own brand, that's like a Pokemon thing. I've decided to wear facial hair instead of clean cut. Like, like the level of expression that fashion actually is. I mean, otherwise we would all wear unbranded cloths and call it a day. Can you go to that deepest, highest level what this all means? Yeah, it's an identity builder, right? So the reality is what we, the way I look at it, whether you're fashion or you're actually creating kind of innovative and uh, benefit-driven product, you're serving a need that the consumer might know or not know that they have. And the majority of the time, we're actually serving a need of identity. They want to be able to um, express outwardly to the world who they are and what they stand for. Sometimes it is, hey, I'm an early adopter. I know the coolest things. I am into innovation. I care about tech or I care about sustainability. Or actually to your use, some people choose to not wear any brand names because that is also their identity. And they right. want to actually identify with a specific segment or group or, or, or belief, right? We have a huge role in making sure that people can find themselves in our product. So we actually, a lot of the work that I've been doing over the past year actually is moving away from consumer segmentation, which is useful when we do targeted content, et cetera, but moving into mindsets because we're serving mindsets. We're serving oh, reason why, right? Yeah, because if you're an 18 to 21 year old, you know, Latino male, like cool, but like your essence may be a 40. I mean, I've uh, there's a 22 year old kid in my life right now. The only way to sell to him is a, a relative, like, is to market to a 58 year old, like, middle America, like, simple, like, like he's he's just he's 58 years old. He's 22. <laughs> but 
He's fucking 58. So age is just a number. Really, what we care about is the behavior. We care yeah. about the why and what uh, you know gets people there. And again, like just even to go back to back to school and what we were saying, it's easy to lose that focus when you go into a place where, to your point, every brand plays. It's basically a menu, unlimited menu of option, and you just become one item against you know so many other. So the the work comes in before and after to make sure people can find themselves in the brand and choose the brand at back to school time. And then during back to school time is really for us like, what is it that we want to elevate? I mean, this year we actually made the conscious decision that back to school for us would be a backpack campaign, but go in depth. Tell me why the zipper is fantastic. Tell me why we built this for the outdoor versus, hey, get your gear at the North Face, which right. is kind of like the traditional approach. The why, the utilitarian why. It's about the why. Love you. Thanks, so. We wish you well. Bye. Thank you, Sophie. Gary, I'm super fired up about this next guest. He's the CMO of 4-H. I don't know if you know about 4-H, but uh, when I was a little kid in Wisconsin, I was big time into 4-H. Excuse me. I, I went to high school in Huntington County, New Jersey, where 4-H was religion. I didn't know what I was walking into in eighth grade when I moved. I came from Edison, New Jersey, never heard of 4-H. It was more city urban culture. And then I got to Huntington County, New Jersey, and 4-H was fucking religion. Amazing. They're the largest youth organization. They touch 6 million kids. It's amazing. And Ivan has come from the music and entertainment industry. So he's done a lot in the two years that he's been there. And we're super fired up to talk to you, Ivan. Thank you, Andrea. Religion. I love it. We are religion. That's what it is. Well, you know, I think when you are youth, you know, you think about Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, 4A, you, you know, like you think about these, you know, uh, Little League Baseball, you think about these institutions that have formed a lot of our lives, especially, you know, as the world becomes more digital, kids are spending more and more time indoors. There was a funny TikTok, Ivan, I saw where this one guy says, he makes a, he makes like a, tries to make a video making fun of my generation saying, wait a minute, you guys used to drink water from a hose? Like, didn't you know there were sinks inside? And then like this woman stitched it and she was like, uh, we used to not be allowed in the house. Like we used to be outside and this is how we grew up. And it made me laugh last night and makes me think a little bit about this combo, which is like these iconic institutions that, you know, no, no kidding when I say religion, I think back to Jason Riker, Katie Hank. I'm thinking about people in my high school that I got to know because I moved in eighth grade. I got to know them by junior, senior year. And they were still incredibly passionate about giving back to 4-H because they referred to that organization as foundational in their lives. Yeah, that's what I've come across as I started my role two years or two and a half years ago and, and sharing with my network, I was surprised how many folks came out of the woodworks and shared similar sentiments. You know, uh, it's like, wow, I didn't know it was that, um, you know, critical to, to, to your development. But, you know, two and a half years in, and I realized it's one of America's great innovations up there with Coca-Cola and like McDonald's, right? I mean, our mission is to create opportunity for all kids. Just there, just with that mission alone, I was like, sign me up. Let's do this. Actually, you know, you just gave us the mission statement. Give people, because I do think a lot of people don't live in parts of the country or the world who are watching and listening that are not familiar with the organization. Give us, give us a one minute on her. Sure. So 4-H, which is literally 
four H's that are on a four leaf clover, um, has been around for 120 years. And it's always been about providing kids with hands-on learning, personal growth and life skills. So things like public speaking, running a meeting, project management, civil discourse, having empathy, giving feedback, judging others, like through, uh, you know, um, shows and-, and, and, and uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Do, does 4-H believe it is an incredibly strong complement to the K through 12 system that is rampant where it's teaching a lot of the soft skills and life skills? You know, one of the arguments that people like me always talk about is like, man, I really wish I learned a lot of the stuff that actually happens once you become 22 in school. Yeah. Do you feel do you feel like that's a strength of 4-H is rounding out the curriculum? Absolutely. Uh, things like public speaking and a kid at the age of nine, 10 years old doing a speech in front of tens, if not hundreds of people um, and, and overcoming that fear and then becoming a master speaker that you don't get that in school. Right. So we are definitely expanding the toolkit. And I love Sophie's your conversation with Sophie. Our product is six million ready leaders. That's what we're, we're grooming. And we have our eyes on like 10 million. Right. We think every kid should be in this program. We'd have a much better world if, if, if we did that. What was the biggest? Uh, I mean, uh, Andrew did in the, in the upfront, but for everybody who might have missed it, what were your two jobs prior to this? So I spent a career in entertainment. I was always drawn to music, and um, I thought I was going to go and you know tour with Justin Timberlake, um, or or like work at a record label. I ended up doing both, not with Justin Timberlake, but I did go on tour as a musician. And then my, my curiosity grew um, to, to sort of like see what other success is out there beyond music in the marketing space. And that led me to, a, you know, a very lucky opportunity at Nickelodeon um, where I really cut my teeth in learning how to build a did franchise. You, uh, did you ever uh, interact with Pam Kaufman there? She's one of my mentors. Love her to pieces. She's the one. She's the one. She yeah. is as special of a person in the business world as there is. Yeah, and she has like endless amounts of energy. I've never seen her like down. <laughs> she's always positive. She, she is a force. And anyone who knows her knows she's a force. But yeah. and then I was able to uh you know parlay that into a good amount of time at Disney, um, which led which led me to this opportunity where we're at today. So Nickelodeon, Disney, all these big IPs, entertainment, all you know, shit I clearly love, you know, what was the biggest Besides how many people were impacted by 4-H, what else was surprising or different? Just trying to frame this up for people that, to give them courage to go into new shifts in their career or try new things. What was, what was surprising and what was most enjoyable? Well, I think I was intentionally looking to get out of my comfort zone. Uh, I am constantly learning. I am always the dumbest person in the room in the best possible way. Uh, surrounded by PhDs who are experts in in building great young people, right? What about what about reframing that? And I know you're being self-deprecating, clever, but what about reframing that from dumbest to most curious? Most curious, I like that. That's definitely you know I mean? because I think I think words matter, and I think a lot of people have imposter syndrome, which really means insecurity. But I could tell that's not what you were saying by the tone and tenor. I think you know it's funny. I'm a big talker. But so it's hard for people to see it, but when they start working with me, they realize 
my core strength is the curiosity and the listening, I grasp pretty quickly, not in reading comprehension, which is why I have to do a lot of verbal meetings, but I grasp quickly, which is why I then talk to get more insights. But I think the most curious person in the room is a very valuable asset to a team. Yeah, and I'm constantly learning and uh, going around the country, visiting farms, visiting urban areas, suburban areas, because, you know, 4-H is in every county across the U.S., which was another aha for me. Uh, Growing up in Brooklyn, I didn't have that exposure, uh, but now I've seen firsthand the power uh, of of the programming and the byproduct of of that programming, which is these kids. They are well-spoken, they are ambitious, they're resilient, they're confident, and we're talking about back to school. Not a lot has changed. Some nuance here and there from when you and I started high school, but Kids want to feel accepted in each of their personal groups. Yeah, bro. It, you know, as much as shit changes, it's all the same thing, right? Just like to the last thing with Sophie, kids are going to wear the fucking kid robot or, or you know, whatever. Spit. Like, they're going to wear the brand that's the hottest. I had Z Cavaricis. These kids have speaking fable. Like, people are going to always try to identify that way. And people are always going to want to be accepted. Every kid on earth this week that went into a new school that was going into a new school, maybe just moved or something of that nature, or went to the next school system, middle school, high school. All they wanna do is be accepted, find a friend. That's it, self-esteem, belonging. Um, And it's an opportunity for brands to show up and help these kids express themselves through their individuality, right? And 4-H plays in that space. Through our programming, we're confidence boosters, right? Um, so hopefully we, you know, we, we're building these kids that have more swagger. They're more confident. They're more empathetic. They're just better citizens, bro. I agree. I agree that like, I, but you know, like it, it's just so exciting to help them be better citizens, but also find balance. Right. You know, like to me right now, what I'm thinking about is the balance of everything. I think what, what I like about 4-H overall is I think it's a balanced system to, the K through 12 system. And, yeah. and I think in general, America especially is pulling in such different directions, politically, business world, socially, even, you know, what thing that bothers me a little bit, I've been, even though I think about it a lot, which is like, I don't know, when we grew up, there was less like generational warfare. Like I didn't think us Gen Xers were like against the boomers. And I wasn't like, you know, like I wasn't mad at the millennials. I was like pumped for them. Like right now, like people are identifying with their generation. Yeah, and I like, think it's because there's just so much more information. It correct. is more socialized. Uh, we say it. We say it in all of these convenings. They 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 are aware of it. They're more self-aware of who they are, of what generation they are. To me, the to me the great goal of society is to get us to be all part of one brand called Team Human. And I feel like, unfortunately, right now, we're all trying to self-identify into the most narrow places. The thing I see from a bunch of 4-H kids is um, being, you said it, and I think about like the old genre of like, be be good to your neighbor. Like that's gone. You know, like the reason us kids were able to go out in the 80s was we had 39 parents, not one or two, right? Like Robbie Turnick's mom was my mom too. So if I was acting a fool in her backyard, I mean, in the 80s, you might get spanked by some fucking friend's 
mom. Like shit was different. And I think I think one of the things at its best, what I think 4-H has done well, and I came across a 4-H kid not too long ago, which is why I was excited. That was the topic that we spoke on at an, uh, on a train actually. I think it was going to Baltimore, uh, DC from uh, uh, just making, teaching these kids how to love themselves so they can love everybody else. Yeah, and 4-Hers are more inclined to help you out. You will find when you come across a 4-Hers and a 4-H alum, right? It shows up in the in the, in the adult version. Yep. Uh, they're more inclined to help you out and, and extend that olive branch. Yep. I enjoy this, brother. Wish you well. Take Thanks care. So much, Gary. See you.